So guys, to be honest with you, I originally said when we were starting the Sermon on the Mount, I said, let's go to the Sermon on the Mount, because that's really basic and foundational and easy. We're a new church. <clears throat> this is definitely something we should be tackling as a church. As we've been going through this sermon series, the sermon that turned the world upside down, as a pastor, <clears throat> this continues to turn my world upside down. I know many people have said this in our men's Bible study and other things, that every week we come here, and it's a heavy text. It's a heavy subject. You realize that Jesus didn't preach on light things. You realize that his first sermon, what he did was made sure he comes straight at <clears throat> the issues of the heart. And the way Jesus gets things out of our life is he doesn't like come and fluff it up. He blows it up. Like blows it up. I'm sitting there and I'm waking up. I said, here we go again. We're talking on lust today. In case you don't know, it's too late for you to jump in your car and leave. And I get up and I say to myself, <clears throat> man, I was even working through this week and saying, maybe I can preach on another text because it's been a long emotional week. I had to do a funeral yesterday. I had to do a wedding last Saturday. And I'm like, I need some light emotional stuff. And I said, Joe, you better stop that talk. And so on Friday, I said, yeah, we've got to do this text. The reason a lot of people don't preach on tough things like this is because they want, they believe that the way to keep people, the way to grow your church, the way to keep giving up is to not preach on hard things. By God's grace, I pray that he keeps us courageous enough not to cower back and try to grow the church by any means but Christ. If we are afraid to go to text that our Savior, that the Son of God preached on, and to hear his very words, we are not a church of God. We are a church who's making God in our own image. And so I pray that as we tackle this text today, that you receive it with open hearts, that you receive it with open minds, and know Jesus as your Savior and me as your pastor. I'm not preaching this message for anyone to feel condemned. No one. I don't get these messages. Wait till I get them. I say, man, this text has got me, and I've got to share it with them. It's so important that you don't hear this message and think anyone's coming at you, that you understand that God is for you and Jesus is for you, and this is why he spoke these words. It says in the scriptures that Jesus looked at the crowds and he said he felt compassion on them. He didn't feel angry at them. He didn't feel like he wanted to kick all of them. He said, I felt compassion because they seemed like sheep without a shepherd. And that's how I feel. And I'm sure much more how Jesus feels when he looks at his people and realizes how much we are messed up sexually. This is not a message to point fists. Um, fingers. This is a message to call you to freedom because there's no one out there, including many Christian churches, that will speak against sexual immorality and call you to holiness. And the culture has been teaching you something totally different. We are so, there's like a few areas where I realize people are so messed up in this culture. When it comes to money, like people have issues. We're deluded. You know, we'll preach on that stuff. We talked about that. People value the wrong things. When it comes to authority, People are like, when it, no one has authority over me. And then you preach the words of Jesus, and they're like, no, Jesus does not have authority over me, because no one has authority in their life. And then there's sex. People are just like, whatever feeling you have, whatever emotion there there is, whatever desire is, you should fulfill it. I, as your pastor, and Jesus as your Savior, 
is telling you today that God created sex to be holy, to be enjoyed inside a covenant marriage between a husband and wife, and anything outside of that is sinful and detrimental to your spiritual health, your emotional health, your intellectual health, and will destroy your life. Little by little. Little by little. I actually talked to a man who was a mechanic. I won't say which mechanic or which place, but I bought my truck down there. And so he charged me too much money. We won't get into that today. I think he felt guilty about it. So when I told him with a pastor, he said, oh, you're a pastor? And all those things went through his mind. Man, I just charged a pastor too much money. So he started talking to me. He said, you know what? And I love people with their own systems. This is beautiful how people make up. This is what we do when we have no authority. He says, you know what I am? And he used some word I had no idea what he was saying. I believe that there should be no no pastors, just people who believe. And all I heard was like, I should go on planes with no pilots. You know what I mean? Oh, there should be prisons with no police. I was like, what are you talking about right now? Like, this don't even make sense to me. So you want there to be a church but no shepherds? So you would just throw sheep in the field and take off and come back like things are going well. And you expect to see sheep there and to use wool and stuff like that. Like, what are you talking about right now? But this is what we do. When we want to make our own belief systems, when we don't want to be under spiritual authority, when we don't want to hear things we don't want to hear, we say, well, I made up a new system and there's people like me out there. Yeah, there's people like a lot of people out there who are doing crazy things. Right? This dude says to me, I pray, and it seems like God answers my prayer. And I'm telling you, this is how messed up people are. God bless him. I invited him to church. I preached the gospel, all that good stuff. I loved him. He said, the other day I was on my computer, and my Wi-Fi wasn't working. And I, I put out the warning for kids, so I hope you saw on Facebook. This is why I'm pumping social media, because there's going to be some adult words said today. I'm not going to cuss, but we're going to talk adult. He said, I couldn't get the Wi-Fi on. And I prayed to God because I wanted to watch porn. And all of a sudden, the Wi-Fi worked. And I sat there and I said, I- I'm not surprised. Like, I'm not surprised because people, number one, they don't go to church anymore, so they have no shepherds. Number two, most shepherds are so cowardly, they'll skip over these whole pers- portions of Scripture because they want to keep people in the church. Number three, if you don't hear that it's sin, if you don't hear that it's wrong, if you don't hear that it's destructive, why can't you make a God who answers your prayer to give you Wi-Fi for porn? Tell me, if Jesus is not the authority, if this is not the word of God, who's making the call that you can't pray for porn? This is how messed up we are as a people. And I pray that Restoration Road here, not here to condemn you, here to convict you that you might have life and have life abundantly in Jesus. I pray that whenever a church that does whatever we want sexually, sinfully, because we don't want to come under the authority of God and we say we know better than God, but rather we hear scriptures like this and we say Jesus loves us more than we can ever know and is calling us to sexual holies, holiness, I'm going to repent and turn to Jesus and be changed. Because many of you believe you cannot stop watching porn, you cannot stop lusting, you cannot for- stop fornicating, you cannot stop committing adultery. Many of you believe that that is a lie from the enemy. You can be set free, set clean, and made holy by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is truth you just heard. Because many of us use things like porn and lust and promiscuous affairs and sexual immorality to fill a place that God is supposed to satisfy. Do you know how the scriptures say? Go to a secret place, shut the door, and pray to me, and your Father will reward those who seek me. What we do is we go to Rome, we shut a door, we flip our laptop, and we commit sexual sin. 
I pray that that is not the case for us at Restoration Road. I pray that we run from sexual immorality because it is destroying your life. It is destroying your intimacy with others. It is hurting your marriage. It is hurting your relationship with God. Jesus tells us this for our good. So if we could turn to Matthew 5, 27 and 30. And this is, I knew it was going to be heavy, but it feels real heavy. I just heard a a bug (laughs) that wasn't even buzzing. So Matthew 5, 27 through 30, it says, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. (coughs) If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better, better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. So there's like not a portion in that text that I can start with that's light, right? Like from the beginning to end, I'm like, come on, let me see if I can start here. Here we go. Jesus is talking about the seventh commandment. So you know how when he was talking about murder and anger, he was talking about the sixth commandment? He goes right to the second commandment because what he is doing, he's clearing up the law because people have relaxed the law. And if we want to talk about an area where our culture has relaxed the law, when you talk about lust, you want to talk about relaxing the law from strip clubs to porn to extramarital affairs to premarital affairs to everything. We have relaxed this commandment in such a sinful and awful way. So what Jesus is doing for those disciples of the day and for us disciples and followers of Jesus today and those who are searching for what it means to be sexually holy, he's clearing up the seventh commandment. Because you know what guys and women heard when, when the commandment was said, do not commit adultery? You know what they heard? As long as I don't physically commit adultery, I'm all right. Isn't that a way we relax the commandment? As long as I don't physically do it, I'm all right. So when Jesus says this to the crowd in his first sermon, it must have blew everybody's world up. Because you know what a man or a woman does if they can't do it physically to relax the commandment and get around the commandment? They fantasize, they meditate, they lust using their intellect, their emotions, and their heart to commit sexual immorality. Jesus doesn't make a distinction between physically committing adultery and committing it with your heart. Now, how do we define your heart? The center of your emotional life, your spiritual life, and your intellectual life. He doesn't make a distinction. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying many of you, uh, you know what? You, some of us maybe have committed adultery. I want everyone who hears about sexual sin today to know first you're forgiven. So we're leaving from here today. We're not taking baggage from the past. So some of us maybe have committed physical sexual adultery. But many, if not all of us, have committed heart adultery with someone other than our spouse. So I want to hear that you're for the gospel, you're forgiven, you're washed clean. But I want you to go here from today and say, 
I'm going to repent and move on from this sin in my life. Because this sin is connected to the 10th commandment, where it says you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Now, I want men to hear it for their opposite sex with wives and women to hear opposite sex with husbands. So even though he says men not covet your wife, he's talking to women too. Don't covet other men's, other um, women's husbands. It's important that we see this because what we tend to do, because lust is the cheapest form of love. Lust is no commitment. Lust is spontaneous. Lust is spur of the moment. Lust is not lasting. Lust is cheap. And that's what it comes to when we covet. We say, you know what? That grass looks greener. You know what? That relationship looks more exciting. You know what? That looks more adventurous. So we covet another man's wife, another woman's husband. And then you know what happens? After that is finished, we covet another one. So it never stops because lust is like that. You never get enough. So you think, okay, the grass is greener. I'm going to get this new relationship. Then you use that person. You use them all up. Then they're no good for you anymore. Then you lust after another woman. You go, they're all good. Because that ain't love. That's lust. That's cheap. That's sinful. Love is faithful. Love is kind. Love is committed. Love doesn't make you wait for commitment. It's faithful. It lays down its life. Do you guys hear me? No. That's why sex should not happen outside of marriage. You should not be in a sexual relationship with someone saying, you know what? We have both changed. And we like different things now. And I just feel like we're on different directions. And I, I, I think that we'll stay friends. And you do your hobbies, I'll do mine. But we still have love. That ain't biblical love. That ain't laying down your life love. You imagine I go up to Natalie and say one day, now listen, Nat, you know, it's getting kind of busy around here. I didn't realize we had to, like, take care of kids and I'd have to go to work and stuff. And uh, I didn't realize we had to take care of this house. I like the way it looked, but I don't want to be mowing stuff. Um, I think we're taking different directions now. And I just walked away, and there was no legal contract. I could just take off. How cheap is that? You know, when I said I did a marriage last week, you know what I said to the couple? I said this covenant is not only between you, between each other. It's between you and God. There needs to be a legal contract if you're having sex. It is an intimate thing. It's a thing of knowing. It's a thing of loving. That's why so many people are hurt. Once again, I was at a wedding last week. And I won't use names, but this one woman came with one dude on a date. So they looked like they were together, right? By the end of the wedding, that woman was with another person. By the fully end of the wedding, she was crying at the door. And I said to myself, this is why you should be in a committed relationship for any of these intimate things happen because it's not just casual. It hits deep emotions within your heart of committing where two people know each other and they should be willing to lay down their life for each other and die for each other whether they're sick or the poor, whether they're rich or healthy. Do you guys understand me? That's why God said, don't take this casually. What do we say? Take it casually. No big deal. You meet someone Friday night. I just want to get lucky. That's sinful. That's not what God called us. God called us when we say I do, when we do things like Jesus told us to do. From that moment on, our eyes are only for our wife. And a wife's eyes should only be for her husband. 
Because if you even look at another woman with lustful intent, you have committed adultery. Now that's serious, ain't it? So let's define that a little bitty, a little bitty. <laughs> What's not lustful intent and what is lustful intent? Because some people, some Christians take it way too far. Like if you notice someone's physically attractive or has a nice physique, they're like, you are lusting, you sinner. Everybody notices if someone's attractive or has a good physique. You better stop that bull pip. That is a bunch of baloney. If you think that you don't notice other people, you're delusional. And it gets you caught up in all kinds of condemnation. We all notice if someone is built well, or if someone is pretty, or if someone is handsome. That's natural. We have sexual desire. That's not sin in itself. When we look, this is lustful intent right here. That's not lustful intent. Lustful intent is when you look and fantasize and stare and meditate and take that back into your place of sin, your den of iniquity, and you fantasize about that. Number one, don't be a creeper. Dudes are creeping me out. They're creeping me out. I'm at the gym. I'm like, dudes are really creeping me out in here. One dude walked over. You know those dudes just been working out. Don't look like anything's changing, but they've been there for three years. He walked over. He was like, this woman who always works out, she, she's one of, the, one of the instructors. He goes over. He goes, nice top, and walked off. I was like, another creeper. That's so creepy. Guys, don't be creepers. That is just weird. I was weirded out, and I was over on the treadmill like, man, I I'm creeped out and I'm 200 feet away. Don't be a creeper. We know in our hearts. <laughs> we know in our hearts when it's crossed over to lust. We know by the conviction of God, the Holy Spirit, when we've lusted. Amen? Don't go over that line. Because temptation is going to come. And you've got to be on guard against it. So I've been going to the gym. So it just so happens that this woman at the gym has the same routine as me and Dave. And every day's butt day. Like, I don't know how you do five days a week just working on squats, right? And somehow, right when I walked in, I said, great, this woman has the same routine. She's wearing saran wrap. And I said, Dave, you got to be on guard here because she's got the same schedule on us. And we know that she's attractive, but we got to make sure this doesn't go any further. Because no one can happen. I can, you can stop going to the gym and say, man, I can't wait to see that woman again. Right? You can stop going to work and say, I can't wait to see that man again. You stop going to those places. And she don't care. I'll be like over on the curls machine with Dave, and she'll come by and just be like, I'm like, the squat machine is over there in the corner. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. But I went home and told Natalie, too. I said, Natalie, <laughs> I said, there's a woman at a gym. And me and Dave are on guard against her. I just want you to know. You know, so we have to be on guard because, you know, <laughs> we've got to be committed to our spouse. And there's going to be a bunch of things going on that are going to try to take our eyes somewhere else, try to take our hearts somewhere else. And God calls us to be faithful to him and faithful to our marriage and watch our eyes and watch our hearts and keep them holy. That is so important. That will bring you joy and contentment and satisfaction. How guilty do we feel when we've lusted in our heart after another person when we're supposed to be committed to another? Does that feel good for anyone? No, man, that, that rots inside of you. And the grace of God takes that out. But even better, God is saying prevent that from happening and live in perfect 
sexual holiness before God and before your spouse. Now, Jesus has some harsh words once again, where he says, this is what he tells us to do, because he's the best preacher in the world. And a thing that a preacher really needs to do, he needs to anticipate the response of the people he's preaching to. So what's the first thing that happens between men and women when you say stop committing sexual sin? But it's that person's fault. But if I didn't have this in my life, that wouldn't happen. So Jesus anticipates it all for us. And he says, you know what? You want to blame it on your eyeball? Pluck it out. You want to blame it on your hand? Cut it off. You want to blame it on your computer? Smash that thing in the backyard. Now, don't be going home and cutting out your eyeballs, cutting off your hands. We need help with setup next week. You know what I mean? He is not literally saying, go start cutting members off. Now, you've got to make a point of that. One of the early church fathers, Origen, he cut his man parts off because he just got so frustrated. He took it literally. I don't promote that. Because that's not what the scripture is getting at. Because some of us, even if we plucked our eyeballs out, even if we cut out our hands, we still lust in our heart. I was working, when I did my apprenticeship, I was in a shop, an electrical shop with a bunch of dudes. And it just so happened three or four guys were missing eyes. Do you think that shop was less lustful? Like literally, you know, one just had no eye, a few had glass eyes they couldn't see out of. That was the most lustful shop I've ever been around. Because it doesn't matter if we take it literally. If you take both your eyeballs out, you can still in your heart and your mind sin. If you take your hands off, you can still lust in your heart and you can still commit that sin. What Jesus is going for, he's going for our hearts. And keep hearing this. He can change your heart so you live sexually holy. He's saying, don't, he doesn't say, well, gradually work on it and get better. Don't we love that? Like, you know what? I've gotten better. I'm not sleeping with four women. I've cut it down to two. The gospel is changing me. No. No. i got to make that clear because I have these conversations. You've got to take that and cut it out of your life. Jesus is saying drastic. Get it out. Pluck it out. Cut it off. Get it out. Hear that from me today. Don't say I'll change in three months. I'll change a year. Take that and smash that out of your life. Maybe you need computer software on your computer. Maybe you need an accountability partner. Maybe you need someone who you're repenting sin to. Where you say, i got to cut this out of my life. Because some people today, no one in your life knows that you are addicted to pornography. Or you're addicted to fantasizing about other people. Some people don't know that because it's a secret thing. But God does. And he wants to call you to repentance and change in the power of the gospel. See, the grace is not only that when we fall, we're washed clean and he picks us back up. The grace is the grace to change. Because God the Holy Spirit is within us who sanctifies us and commit, um, convicts us and changes us. Now, why does Jesus tell us to change? I just need you to hear the words of, of Jesus here because even I'm caught off guard. Jesus says change because it's better to go handicapped into heaven. Now he's using very exaggerated language here because we know that there's no one going to be missing a hand in heaven, right? Or we're going to be fully restored by God, who is God. He's saying it's better to go into heaven with no limbs 
then it's to go to hell with all your members. Like, this is so tough, right? Like, I'm getting this text, and every time Jesus tells us not to do something, he's throwing hell at the end of the message. I'm like, wow, this is really heavy. How do I preach this with love and faithfulness? I need you guys to hear this from me. The scripture says, and this is heavy, anyone who practices fornication, practices adultery, or any other sexual forbidden practice will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the important word to define there is practice. All of us fall, right? We fall. I don't think there's a person in here who would have two sets of eyeballs if, you know, if Jesus didn't show us grace. But there's a difference between falling as you pursue Jesus and pursue holiness and rejecting the authority of God and saying, I'm going to practice sexual sin no matter what God says. Do you guys see the difference there? See, practicing is saying, I hear what Jesus says about this sexual practice, but I know better and culture tells me better and I want to do this. So I reject your command, Jesus. I'm not going to repent of it. I'm going to live in this sexual sin. And then you know what, Jesus? I hear what you're saying. I'm going to respond with repentance. I'm going to pursue it. And if I fall, you pick me right back up with your full grace and the power of your gospel. Does everyone hear the difference between that? I never want us to hear that grace is a license for us to say practicing sexual sin. I want you to hear that grace is the reason you can get up when you fall. Amen? These are huge things. And I hope, once again, I want to make sure you guys don't go to condemnation. You stay on conviction because this is important. Because today is a new day, your past is gone, and your future is set in Christ. Because many of us have committed heinous sexual sin in the past. Many, if not all of us, have committed heinous sexual sin. It is forgotten, it is forgiven, it is washed away by the blood of Jesus. But we need to respond in the present and in the future by living sexually holy. You know, guys come to me all the time and they say, how can you be with the same person having sex for the rest of your life? That's how dudes talk to me. They say, how can that be sexually satisfying? I would argue that it's more sexually satisfying to be with the same woman or man for the rest of your life. Because that's where sex is supposed to happen. That's safe. That's intimate. That's awesome. Because a lot of people, God created sex. It's made to be enjoyed. It's made to be enjoyed inside the parameters of marriage where it can be cared for and it can be cultivated and it can be nurtured and it can grow. Sex is better when you're committed to one person inside of marriage for the rest of your life. The people who really aren't enjoying themselves are the people who keep living sexually promiscuous and sexually immoral. They're never happy. I talk to these people. There's no happiness there. It's like, that was an awesome Friday night. Monday's like, I don't want to live anymore. Why do you think that is? Because you were not made to be cheap. Sex was not made to be casual. And when you use it and you sin before God, you are going to feel horrible. You're not going to be content. You're going to say there's more than this. You're going to say, I thought this meant more to this person. It's horrible. I know I've been there. I preach for you as a pastor who has sexually sinned in the past, and it's horrible. I never was happy. I never was content until I did it God's way. Never. 
until Jesus made me know. What we've taught people is the wrong thing. We have adopted the purge mentality. Has anyone seen The Purge? Right? You look at that movie and I hope you say, that is a horrible idea. <laughs> I hope you look at that movie and you'll say, man, we should maybe pull that off on a day. and Maybe there'll be less murder. So in The Purge, for those who don't know, the government decided that one day a year, there's no law. That if you want to kill someone, you want to steal from somebody, you want to do whatever you want sinfully or crime-wise, you can do it to any person and you won't get prosecuted. They said that this cut down the crime rate tremendously. We teach the purge mentality in our sexual practices. What do we do right before with the guy or the girl before they get married? Let's bring them to a stripper. What? Let's get the guy who's about to commit the rest of his life to one woman. Let's the night before or a couple days before, let's bring him out to a stripper to do whatever he wants sexually, whether it's fantasizing or physical, so he can purge it out of his system. Are we out of our minds? Do you think that guy goes from the bachelor party to his marriage and all of a sudden is whole? Thank goodness I did that. Now I can be committed to you for the rest of my life. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. But it's common practice. Like if you don't have a bachelor party with strippers, you'll be like, what's wrong with you, man? You don't know about marriage. We're crazy. We are crazy. What people are preaching is absolutely insane. We teach our sons and daughters in this culture. Don't get married too soon because you've got to go out there and sow your oats. You've got to get to know yourself. So what do they do? They spend 15 years of being sexually promiscuous with different partners, and it makes them less content in marriage. Do you know that statistically? Not even in the church. Scientifically, statistically, factually, people are less content in marriage who go out and who are more promiscuous and have more partners. Right? This is what we teach. We teach purge it out of your system, take that one day where there's no law and extend that day over a decade and get married and it never makes us happy. Now once again, I'm not trying to condemn you. I want you to hear the insanity of culture. They're teaching you that this is mature, that this is how you have a healthy marriage, that you need to live with the purge mentality. No, you can live with a healthy God-centered, gospel-centered mentality where you can be faithful both in your heart and in your life to your spouse for the rest of your life. This is what we should live by. This is what we should teach our children. This is what we should teach our children. Amen? And in closing, I want to say to our single people, because this is not just for people in marriage, because culture has taught us even to live sexually immoral outside of marriage. What really gets people today is the mentality that is, get your education first, get the house first, get your job first, then get married. Right? No. Get right with God first. Do things God's ways first. Get married first and go through those things together. Me and Natalie got married within a year and a half. I would have got married sooner if she didn't have to plan out a wedding. I'm telling you right now. I was like, let's just do this. It is important when you're married to say not, let's, so the wrong response is let's live in sexual sin for 10 years while we 
get everything right with us, right? Education, a house, now we're ready. No, get married before all those things and go through those things together. Do you guys hear what I'm preaching to you? Why can't someone who's committed to, them, to each other for the rest of their life, why can't you go through an education and a, and a master's course together? Why can't you buy a house together? Why can't you go to struggles finding? You'll be some of the happiest days of your life when you have no loot. Everyone thinks like, do you get money and then you're happy? More people separate over money than any other issue in marriage. We think if we get those things, our marriage will be healthy. No, get right with God, be committed to one another, and go through those th things. Whether you're poor or rich, whether you're a basement apartment, or you don't, whether you're in an apartment or a house, be holy before God and he will bless your life. Not the other way around. See, I'm trying to teach you something upside down because the, the world's teaching you something. And what happened is Jesus said, no, they taught you this, it's like this. Please live in that truth. I want nothing more for you than you guys experience the freedom and the joy and the contentment that comes with being sexually holy before God. Please no one leave here today thinking that there's any judgment. There's only gospel and there's only grace. And Jesus spoke these words to us because he loves us and wants the best for us. Amen?